Hello. Welcome in, everybody. It is Kenny and Heilprin. Happy rainy Tuesday. Uh, it's Valentine's Day. It is the Super Bowl reaction show. What's up, Zach? <laughs> How you doing? Happy Valentine's Day to you. I don't know. I don't know if you saw this or not, Ben, but Juju Smith-Schuster uh, gave out a big Valentine's Day card to everybody in the city of Philadelphia. He said, with a picture of Bradbury. Is that is that his name? Yeah, I guess. Uh, it says, uh, I'll hold you when it matters most. Happy Valentine's Day. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. AJ Brown came back and called him TikTok boy. So that oh. it, it, it's been good on Twitter, but I know you're kind of you're distancing yourself from it. And, I know and you don't want to deal with it. You I don't just, want you don't want to you don't want to focus on it. I get I, it. I know that our listening audience doesn't care. Uh, but they I mean they enjoy everyone loves somebody else's pain. I am I'm in considerable pain. Yeah. People love, and people love other people in pain. There's nothing more perfect to get me feeling better about the pain than Wisconsin basketball, (laughs) (laughs) which plays tonight against Michigan. That game is at eight o'clock. It's the Juwan Howard revenge game. We'll talk about it coming up a little later on in the show. The Juwan Howard revenge game, the revenge on Juwan Howard. Oh, okay. I was going to say, what, what does Juwan Howard have revenge for here? I, well, I mean, they did lose. Yeah, but that, it's, <laughs> I mean, the way that Hunter Dickinson's talking, it's like Wisconsin, like, took them out back and, like, beat them down. Yeah. And, and, like, it was just a, a complete, like, uh, I don't even know. What an idiot. Is he done with, is he done with college after this year? Hopefully. Is, is he going to go full time into some podcast no one cares about? I know that uh, that's what we heard on the previous show that was on this airways. I, I mean, he's probably going to go pro. He's seven one, so he's probably going pro somewhere. Whatever. Probably just not in the NBA. Somewhere that doesn't matter. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about the game coming up a little later. We'll touch on what happened during the weekend. I have a big question I want to ask. I, I like all that's bad going on in the sporting world for me right now. A lot of honestly, what is getting me through it is the thought of Wisconsin football taking the field <laughs> for spring practice, which is less not than even yeah. not even for a game. Like all all of the last couple of days of heartache and all that stuff. And again, I know nobody cares, but I'm in pain. A lot of what's getting me through it is Wisconsin football. So I like I, I wanted to to contextualize, let's say, what somebody could mean to the program. We'll get to that in a second. That's what we're starting with today. I did want to note though, the biggest breaking news of the weekend. Or maybe it was yesterday, but all the days are mushed together for me. A tweet came out from the XFL hmm. San Antonio Brahamas. What, is, what even is a Brahma? Brahmas. What I don't that? know. A Brahma. I haven't even looked it up. Brahma. Were you just were you just reading like pronunciation? How to pronounce? Pro, I, pronunciate I just looked word? at the word, and Bra- that's what I thought it, it is pronounced as. The Brahma. I mean, you know damn well I'm watching all their games this year because QB one. They're starting quarterback. As I have said, he would win a starting job <laughs> is one Jack Cohn. He did get drafted. I was going to yeah to the XFL. I was going to ask you what all these names have in common, but uh, I decided to lead with the big stuff as you're taught in the industry. Jack Cohn starting for the XFL Brahamas uh, this year, I guess in a couple months. He joins a list of very notorious XFL quarterbacks, including Jeff Brom. For uh, former Purdue coach now, current Louisville coach, Cardale Jones, Michigan State legend and a Raiders quarterback that started a playoff game, Connor Cook, 
if you remember. I do against the Texans because it felt like they played the Texans every single year in that wild card game. Yes. Uh, P.J. Walker, Temple legend, mm-hmm. and started a couple games this last year. And Carolina. Aaron Murray, who was at Georgia for 15 years. So yeah. some, some big names that Aaron, Jack Cohn finds himself with. Aaron Murray before they got good. Yeah. I, I would say he set the stage for the success they're having. Set the stage. He 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 crawled so Stetson Bennett could walk and or obviously walk good, so he could ran or whatever. Obviously, by good, I mean uh, college football playoff good. Because I think they were in the Big Ten 12 champion or the big uh, the SEC championship game one time when he was there. I think Aaron Murray won one or yeah. two. An SEC championship? Oh, oh, well, he played in a playoff. They... He was he played against Bama in the game that Tua threw it to Devontae Smith in the end zone. Oh, he was the guy on the other foot? Yeah, because they beat the Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, that awesome overtime okay, game yep. with Sonny well, Michelle. With with uh against uh Baker. Baker Mayfield, yeah. So they were really good, but a really, really awesome list of guys that Cones. Are we sure about that? I am I'm pretty sure. He was drafted in twenty fourteen. Oh. Well then I'm wrong. Find who started that game. <laughs> While I go into the Phil Longo stuff. Okay. Because that's going to kill me. <laughs> Who started that game? For Georgia? Are you sure he was drafted Aaron in 2014? Aaron Murray. Uh-huh. Oh, it was Jake Fromm. I, like, what's the difference between the two, you know? But you're right. You're right. Aaron, Aaron Murray was before that. All right. So this is what I was thinking driving in today, Zach. After the NFL season ends, there's a lot of movement with coordinators. A lot of the successful Super Bowl teams often see their quarterback coordinators, excuse me, hired away. Really, any good team, you see a lot of coordinators go. For the Eagles, Shane Steichen, Jonathan Gannon, they get head coaching jobs. Also happening today in the college football world, Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin left for the same job with the Baltimore Ravens, which is big news for the NFL. It's big news for college. It's right after, uh, a year after, Dan Lanning, Georgia's defensive coordinator, left for Oregon. So Kirby Smart has built this somewhat machine. He's won two straight national titles. He's elevating himself to the top of the sport. But as we have seen so often in football, so much of your success as a coach and long-term success has to do with who you surround yourself with. Always. You're always going to lose coordinators because you have success and people want a part of that. For some coaches, we see the coordinators go to other jobs and stink like Bill Belichick sometimes. And for others, we see them go and like big coaching trees, Andy Reid's coaching trees, amazing guys like that. So it got me thinking, uh, Wisconsin obviously hires Phil Longo. And uh, after Luke Fickle, there's a big honeymoon period going on right now because they've not played a game. And Fickle was able to construct his staff as success happens. And as time goes on, Wisconsin's going to lose coordinators. Like Phil Longo will not be Wisconsin's offensive coordinator for 10 years. I, I doubt he would be. I would figure he would take a job eventually if that's what he wants to do. Now, someone tweeted at me before the show and asked, uh, is Longo going to leave Wisconsin for Georgia? That would kill me. And <laughs> I, I like, no, but I, I'm not going to go into that yet. It did get me thinking of, okay, there are some instances of coordinators in the past of having huge impacts on programs. And Wisconsin has had a long line of defensive coordinators that have somewhat shaped what they are today. You could even go back in the last 10 years. So I want to sit here today before spring ball, before the big news starts coming, before the quarterback battles and all your spring ball observations, if you will. What long-term impact, Zach, do you think Phil Longo could have 
on the Wisconsin football program. I know people are not going to want to hear this, but if he had the same impact on the offense that Paul Christ had on the offense when he was the offensive coordinator, it would be significant. In 2004, the year before Paul Christ came back, or came back to take over as the OC, they ranked 99th out of 120 in points per game. They were 20.8. That was entering 2004? In 2004, that's what they were. Okay. They, they averaged 20, um, 20 points a game. 20 points a game. That's kind of where they were, were, what, in 2020 or 2021? It, it, it wasn't good. It, it wasn't good. And his first year, they averaged 34.3 in 2005. That's, and look, the, the offense changed. The offense opened up a little bit. And you had, a, obviously, a John Stocko as a junior as opposed to a, a sophomore. And you had some weapons, and Brandon Williams, and obviously Brian Calhoun, and Jonathan Orr, and Owen Daniels. And so you had some weapons around him. The offensive line eh, was what it was, but they had some weapons around him to open it up a little bit, and the offense was fantastic. If you get that kind of impact, and then you go, go on down the line. Obviously, they were really good in 2007. In 2009, 2010, 2011, the offense was was really, really good. Obviously, it never reached those heights when he came back as head coach, but as an offensive coordinator, the impact that he had on it, if you get that out of Phil Longo, if you're a top 15 scoring offense in the country, I think that's kind of what you're looking for. Would you take, I mean, I don't know if you would take 34 points a game at this point, based on what <laughs> you've, you've been through the last few years, maybe you would, but... Um, There's context to those points because there are great offenses that also don't totally murder your defense. Like when right. Chip Kelly went to the NFL, the offense scored a lot. Who did he coach? But as he coached the Eagles, but as time went on, what they do their last game, his offense happened to also destroy his defense's chance at success. Was he the coach on Sunday when the defense couldn't get a stop? No, he was not. Oh, okay, this is unnecessary. All right, sorry. Go ahead, but. There is different context to it. Yeah, no, and I, I agree. I would take top 15 in a second. Uh, SP Plus came out, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But if you look at Wisconsin over the last four to five years, a top 20 offense would have gotten them into the Big Ten title and maybe would have won them one or multiple. And so if you go top 15, like you're, you're talking about entering air, where if you can continue a level of defense, that brings a lot of success. I think about it long-term, where it's not as if they brought in somebody, obviously, who is going to do the same stuff that the previous guys did. Like, this is, I think, about a long-term impact, and one where if he comes to Wisconsin and has success, this could be the turning point we look to and say, okay, that was when the program, that was when the program turned around. Like, we could end up saying that if he has success, if his offense works, and then if it's able to be continued. The, yeah. The biggest problem when Paul Chris came in was uh, the the offense was great, and then the defense sucked. And so, 2005, I'm, I'm referring. So, they were 9-3 2004, but they couldn't score anybody, but nobody could score on them. And then the next year, they couldn't stop any. They scored a ton of points, couldn't stop anybody. And so, like, if they can ever get that married up, 2010 is probably the closest they've ever gotten that married up. Um, 2019. No, it's closest we've ever gotten that married up to the point where, eh, maybe, 
Maybe. Not to the same extent because the 2010 team was probably better. Well, they actually, they actually won the Big Ten. Yes, but the 2019 team did have a dynamic offense that did what Wisconsin wanted to do very well, and they had a really good defense. Right. The 2010 offense scored over 40 points a game. Right. So it's a little bit different than scoring than what the 2019 offense did. But in terms of, yeah, you, you want, we always hear it. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it's true. Complimentary football. You want to play uh, uh, throughout, and they haven't done that enough the last three years. It's been the defense leading things. And I kind of felt bad saying that to Skylar Bell when we were, when I was, when we was talking about it at Monk's a uh, week and a half ago. I was trying to say it in the nicest way possible, but like the defense kind of carried you guys. And so trying to get that back on track and getting that to where it can be complimentary goal here. And I think they have a chance to be special. Yeah. So I, I mean, the bar is on the field, right? Like when we look at how the team, how Longo does, how the offense does, we're going to judge his era and, and the team as a whole based on what happens on the field. But it's also, I think, one of the impacts he has obviously had thus far, as we have discussed at length, are the guys they're bringing in, where you see a lot of resources in the quarterback, you see a lot of talent at the quarterback position, you see now playmakers also starting to come, where if I look at this turning point and say, okay, they have some success, and then this is also a more new-age offense that for years, even if he were to go, let's say in two years or three years, and they find someone else that does something similar but the foundation is there for that to continue on where you see better recruiting a wide receiver and you see more skill position guys and the line stays great and everything and the quarterback position really starts to excel like that is like the long go era is the turning point and I wanted to draw a parallel because I was thinking back like there are times without throughout history where the great programs and not to say Wisconsin has been at that level obviously but I think it's a good comparison to make where the great programs have a shift because if you are a coach like Kirk Ferentz has been at Iowa for my whole life and he hasn't really shifted and they still have success. But if you look at them in the present day, there are some things that they definitely have to improve upon on offense. Alabama, Nick Saban. He started there in what? 2008, 2009, I believe. When did he, when did he flee from the NFL? I think around that time, because he was he was Drew Brees' coach in 2006. When he would when he said he was never going to, uh, I don't remember that. I was very young, but he goes to Alabama in the in the 2000s. You remember the uh, Philadelphia Super Bowl they lost? Yeah, that was like five years before this. I wasn't following Nick Saban when I was ten, but. He well, goes. They lost that one. That's aside from the point. Yeah, they did. So they lost two of the three Super Bowls. You've been alive. All right. So he goes to Alabama, and for the first seven to eight years of his tenure, they're winning national titles, and they're winning it with pro style, like a classic offense. Yes, they're winning it with the same kind of offense Wisconsin ran. Uh, where you look back to the AJ McCarron era, that's yeah. what I think of. Yeah, AJ McCarron. You have. Um, like Julio Jones, all these great players, but they win it without the nation's best quarterback. But he ran the system really well, and he had great players around him. Then he goes forward, and he loses to Clemson in the national title game. First, he beats him in 2015, I believe, and then the next year, he loses. But throughout that time, he saw the shift college football was having, where you are in the national title against Clemson with Deshaun Watson, who is like college football's best player then, And it went from a pure defense, run the ball, ball control kind of game to 
okay, Deshaun Watson's going to put up points. Like, I don't want to talk about the Super Bowl from Sunday, but that Super Bowl doesn't look the same as the Super Bowl looked 15 years ago. Like, like this is now, it's harder and harder to stop offenses. Yes. So what did he do, though? At that moment, when he realized what other top programs were doing, he brought in Lane Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin, while it took a bit, because uh, at, at, at the start, they had, like, Blake Sims at quarterback, and Blake Sims obviously wasn't the best, but Lane Kiffin set the foundation at Alabama for what we have seen recently with Jalen Hurts and Tua and Mac Jones and then Bryce Young with great dynamic quarterbacks and an offense that's more spread out. They've scored a lot of points and they've continued to win national titles where that's like the great ones like Saban. That's what he could do. I, I say this all to say I look at the Lane Kiffin era at Bama and the movement that Saban tried to make. And while for Wisconsin, it's different because they have a new coach and it's eight years, nine years after Alabama did it. But that's what I think Phil Longo could be, where if we see a lot of success going forward, and I don't want to put a bar on it because I think it's really hard to compare. Let's say like if Wisconsin doesn't win the Big Ten in the next four years, it's hard to compare that to the 2010s because the Big Ten so different with new schools coming in and all of the context we've talked about. But if we look forward and they reach whatever level of success it is under Longo and the offense becomes dynamic and they sustain it with recruiting and people think about Wisconsin in a much different way and they win a lot, whoever the next guy comes in and the next guy after that, once Phil Longo goes, like I think we could see Phil Longo at Wisconsin as Lane Kiffin is seen at, at Alabama. The difference between Wisconsin and Alabama, oh, I shouldn't say this isn't the only difference, but even when they didn't have the best quarterback, they were still recruiting the best wide receivers and the best offensive linemen and the best running backs. They did always have the best players on the field. Yes, yes. except for quarterback, right? Like, and, even, and it's not like the quarterback wasn't what was bad by any stretch. A lot of those guys wouldn't play the NFL. They just weren't Tua or Jalen Hurts or um, Bryce Young. Like, they weren't those guys. Uh, and so he finally w- w- opened up to himself to a different offensive style. But the players themselves... The type of players that they're able to get didn't change outside of and they just went a different way. They could always have gotten to us and Jalen Hurts and, and those type of players. They just changed the way that they thought about it and decided to go that way and, and open things up because Nick Saban's like, this is the way we have to win. Wisconsin is doing this and, and also having to be like, all right, well, can we get those players to make this work? Which and again, I, I early think, we've kind of seen it, right? And just I, have we though? What do we? What? I look at the CJ Williams like, commitment, and I'm like, it is harder than it is at Bama, where at Bama, when you have the players, you could do a system like this and have the guys on the outside. But if I like, this is why I'm talking in ifs. If we look at the Phil Longo era and the recruiting at the skill positions raises to a level of you get more and more CJ Williams or that type of guy in recruiting rankings, then like that's even more impressive, frankly. If they can get that coming out of high school, yes. And, and the, the transfer world too. Like, but C.J. Williams coming out of high school and C.J. Williams coming out of USC, those are two different guys, are they not? They are. In terms of like what expectations are or belief in, in, in ratings, that type of thing. Let's, I, I feel like we're saying they're going to be able to recruit at this certain level, and we haven't yet seen it. No. I'm, I'm trying to say that if... Like transfer portal is one thing. If all of the success happens... And the talent level on the out, the talent ceiling, let's say on the outside, also rises. Like I, 
I'm saying it with the context of like the bars on the field where, I mean, I don't think they're going to have the level of great success unless it does improve recruiting wise. So that's why I include that all in the big if, where if this truly becomes the turning point in Wisconsin football and they go on to have a very bright future because of it, I would I would assume that there were also big recruiting strides made. Like there are a lot of things that goes into the success. Yes. Which isn't only just on the field, but that's what we'll judge it by. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And again, they're never it's unlikely they're ever going to be see what I did there? I'm never I'm never saying never to anything anymore. Um, I've just I've gone ahead on with that. Yeah, you're smarter than me when it comes to that. No, I'm not because I've gotten burned with it, so I'm not going to do it again. As have I. Um, n- never say never, but like they're probably not going to be the Al- an Alabama or like that. They're not going to recruit at that level. They no. have to be able to recruit at a, at a level where you're having enough talent to run the offense that you want to run. And and maybe can they recruit at the level that North Carolina recruited at on offense? At the skill positions, they're already better than them on the offensive line, and they're already they they can recruit with them at at running back. Right, and we've and seen well, what they can do at quarterback. Also, can they bring in a Drake May type dude at quarterback? Well, and they need. I don't think Mordecai's that, but in the future, like, can there be that one guy? Well, and like, the only reason Drake May is at North Carolina is he's, he's a legacy, yes. but still, right. What, like he changes who, everything. Can is there a legacy down the stretch or like down the road here? Like could come back and play at Wisconsin. I don't know if there is. I don't think Russell and Sierra's kid's going to be. That's going to be a while. <laughs> I'm out. CR on that. Right? <laughs> I'm out on that. You really? You you? If the kid was a five star kid, you wouldn't want him. All right. If he's a five star, fine. High four star. I, I might. I, I would talk myself into being skeptical. Yeah. No, but you know what I'm saying. Like it's some of that. There's a lot that goes into that. There like, is. There's just no guarantee that. There is, like, and I don't mean Carolina to... Carolina com- kind of lucked into that. Like, it had nothing to do with anything other than, well, daddy. You're right. I don't mean to compare Wisconsin to Alabama in any way because the level of success Alabama is able to reach is different than any other program that we've ever seen under Saban. But I'm, I'm more comparing Phil Longo coming and the shift and the potential of long-term success because of that shift to what they did with Lane Kiffin. Because after Kiffin, in came Mike Loxley. Then he became the head coach at Maryland, and they were really good under him. And then came Sark. And under Sarkeesian was the 2020 team with Mac Jones, and I think the team before that, which would have been Tua. Under Sarkeesian, they had the most unbelievable years. I'm comparing the two in that context to say that I th- like there is a chance here, if all goes perfectly, and strides are made in all of these categories we're talking about that Phil Longo is to Wisconsin as Lane Kiffin is to Alabama. And and I don't want to put him up against other coordinators Wisconsin's had on different sides of the ball because it, it's so hard to do. But I, I like he has a chance to have the most profound impact on the program that I not many others have been able to have. If he has the kind of impact that Dave Aranda, Justin Wilcox, and Jim Leonard have on had on the defense. Wisconsin is going to be in a very, 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 very good spot. If that's, I mean, let's, and again, maybe some of Wisconsin's offense has a little bit to do with it, but you could put them in the top five in the last 10 years of defenses in the country and what they've been able to do. And, and one right kind now, of, and right now you're saying Phil Longo has a chance to bypass those guys and be better and, and have a bigger impact on the school than those guys. And if that ends up happening, which anybody listening to this show. I'm not saying that. No, yeah, you did say that. 
what you no, said, I said he's a chance to to enter that era. I said I don't want to put them up against each other because it's hard to do. But then you went ahead and said No, he, he's he, one of the most profound impacts on the program anyone has ever had. Okay. Put him up in that area. I'm not going to go either and if, or. And if and if and if he does though, what I'm saying, if he does, you're talking if, if put him up in that in that grouping, right? Not whether he's first or fifth, you're putting him up in that grouping, you're saying that's a huge, huge turnaround from what this offense has been for the last 10 years now. I shouldn't say 10 years. Uh, the last three years specifically. The Wisconsin defense has been good for 10 years now, just like elite defense for 10 years. If you're saying Wisconsin, has, Phil Longo has a chance to have that type of an impact on the offense and putting it in a in a stratosphere where it's a top 10 or top 15 offense for an extended period of time, you would take that in a second. It would, and people listening to this would be very, very happy with Wisconsin's success. Yeah, he he has a chance. I I say all this to say that that there's a path there that this could be something we see. There's a lot that has to go right for it to happen, and I don't mean to crown him. Like we're, as I said to start the show, we're still in the honeymoon. They haven't played a game. They haven't even had spring practice, but the ceiling could be there of something we look back in the history of the program, if this all works out, just because of how different things are. And as we've seen him come in and recruit in the portal, we, we've seen early signs of his abilities to bring in uh, bring in guys that can help his system. So, Because you look at Georgia, right? And like some of the top coaches in the country are defensive guys. Kirby Smart's one of them. And they lose Dan Lanning. Uh, excuse me. They lose the guy who just went to Todd, uh, Bunkin. Todd Bunkin. Yes. And potentially Green Bay Packer coach back in 2019 before they hired uh, Matt LaFleur. I did not know that. And they promoted from within because I guess Kirby really liked the guy, but the foundation was already there and the foundation is there at that program. There are always guys that need to build that certain foundation. And when you totally change your identity in every way on one side of the ball, like Wisconsin has done on offense, hopefully to keep the defense as it is, but when you change like this, then if it all works and it snowballs and a foundation is laid, whether they win under Longo or whether they win under the next guy or the next guy, this era will be the one we look back to. That's my general point. Mike Bobo has a, has a place in Wisconsin history. Does he? He was the quarterback of the bat, of the Georgia when they beat Wisconsin in the, uh, I think it was, what was it, the, the Hall of Fame Bowl? No, it was the, uh, the Outback Bowl. I don't remember which one it was. Either way, he went twenty-eight of twenty-six of twenty-eight in leading them to a thirty-three to six thrashing of Wisconsin. Heinz Ward was on that team as well. Wow, sounds in like nineteen ninety-seven. Sounds like Pat Mahomes against Gannon's defense from Sunday. All it's right, tough. you did that to yourself. Sir. All right, we're going to step away when when we come back. Zach and others in the esteemed media did have the chance to speak with some coordinators. We'll get thoughts on those talks, some assistance. There you go. We'll get thoughts on on those conversations. And SP Plus rings are out, which marks a very significant day for me in the college football offseason. A lot more to come. Stay right there. It's Kenny and Heilprin. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. There's a lot of talk about Jim Leonard today from him. Uh, they'd worked together, not worked together, but uh, had time together these last few off seasons talking. And he said that there's just, there's just nobody better talking safeties about whether, whatever it is, there's nobody better than him. 
in, in talking about safeties. So he's he's obviously uh, had a lot to uh, live up to there. So there's not a lot of pre- he says it's not pressure, but there's a lot to live up to there for sure. Um, in that respect, I feel like the guys coming in on defense, obviously the shoes they have to fill are massive. But at the same time, you got to think there's a lot that they'll learn from watching Wisconsin under Leonard. If they turn on the tape of the 2021 defense or whenever the defense was good, you got to think they look at that and, and learn a lot, which I'm sure like everyone in the business does. You like, I'll listen to radio shows and hear what hosts do well and what I think like, I could improve at, but it's, it, it always goes through your mind when you're in that, in whatever setting you're in or in whatever medium you're in you got to think that they're learning a lot or they have learned a lot from him. Yeah, no, for sure. I think in, I think that's the case. He's also been with fickle longer than anybody else uh, that's on this staff. Like obviously Hitchler that is. Yeah. Trestle obviously has been with him, but uh, Hitchler has been with him even longer. And I'm really interested to see how the staff all melts together. Like they've all, a lot of them have worked together. I think like half the staff has worked together, but uh, mel- uh, molding together and, and molding the previous defense into the new defense and how that's all going to look. Uh, he also ran down his list, uh, the you know, kind of the guys that are coming back. And he talked about how much he tried. Like, he desperately tried to get Torch to come back. Like, he was, <laughs> you don't know how hard I tried to get John to come back. Um, but he didn't, his, he wanted to go. So, but I think the one guy that we have been overlooking in this whole thing, obviously there's Hunter Wohler and what he's done. And we know what Kamoi Latu did last year. But Travion Blaylock is a guy that I think, and I know it's injuries, right? Uh, if he could stay on the field, maybe we would talk about him more. But I, the, what what he has size and physicality and speed wise, I don't know if you saw this from um, the folks at uh, from Brady Collins from the strength department put out like the the fastest guys running wise. No, and, I've been. Oh, that's right, my bad. I've been disconnecting. My bad. So need for speed, like this is these are miles per hour and. Uh, our guy Skylar Bell was at nineteen point nine one. Where was where is Keontes? Keontes was at twenty point one. Skylar Bell said he could beat him. Quincy Burroughs is at twenty point one three. That's that's fine. As long Will as he, Pauling at twenty point two. Oh, <laughs> that's how you get the people going, Zach. Cade Yacamelli. Wow, the running back. He's at running back now. Yeah, twenty point two eight. Damn, Jace Arnold. At the top of it, the true freshman, early enrollee, 20.77 miles per hour. But the guy that I left out there, Travion Blaylock, 20.06 miles per hour. And he's an absolute rock of a dude, too. So if he can stay healthy, I think that's one guy that we're kind of think uh, forgetting about. Um, I think he could have a, a special senior sixth year, like if he can stay on the field. Like he, he would have played a huge, huge role with them last year before the knee injury in spring. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited to hear what they'll do schematically or learn about it because also at, also Braylon Allen 19.73 for a for a large running back cuz uh, last year they had some packages with the three guys with Latu and Torchio and like when, when when they were finally healthy I think we're going to see a lot of three safety stuff that's what I'm saying is if I mean obviously if that's where the talent is you got to get them on the field but if they bring different things to the table if some of them are more traditional, if you will, of the Wisconsin, if they're a Scott Nelson or a John Torchio, or if one is bigger and can play more down. Like the, the thing is, I think you go ahead. Sorry. I, I just expect as Trestle tries to move the defense to whatever he wants it to be long term, these are the kind of years that 
wherever they have dudes, we'll see them on the field. And it's not going to be very uniform. Yeah, I feel like the safety spots and the safeties in their defense have to kind of be able to play all over the place and have and be a little bit versatile. You would think, you know, Kamoe had had some plays in in the open field, but I kind of feel like he's a he's more of a box guy. Trayvon Blaylock, his speed obviously would suggest that he's able to play both in the box and his size, play in the box, play up. And we know Hunter Wooler will come down and lay people out, and he's also got the the speed over the top to deal with guys. So I think he's kind of can play in a bunch of different spots, but um, I think it's the safety, uh, not having torch is kind of, you know, hurts obviously what he was able to do, his ability to turn, turn the ball over and force turnovers I, rare at Wisconsin. Like he, this is one of those rare abilities that he had just felt like he could always be where the ball was going to be. But the guys, the other three guys they have come back. Plus you talk about Austin Brown, and you talk about Braden Moore and some of the and Preston Zachman and some of the other guys that they have there. Safety room is interesting. Wide receiver room obviously is also extremely interesting. And Mike Brown's the other guy we got to talk to, the wide receivers coach. And uh, he, like Phil Longo, was quick to to point out some of the talent that's in that room. And when guys were asked to make plays, they made plays. Whether it was Chimre DK or whether it was uh, Skyler Bell, for some reason he didn't mention Keontes. That I, we're going to have to get him on the horn yeah. uh, about that. Yeah. Listen, I, a lot of guys made plays. Some of them had many games where they were really good. Others had their game, if you will, like Skyler Bell against Purdue, right? New Mexico State as well. Uh, yeah, like Jim DK went nuts against Northwestern, I think. Keontes Lewis against Washington State, man. Like they lost because they couldn't make a field goal or convert when they were in scoring territory. But. Man, that was his game. Yeah, that's all. I mean, he made was, plays. You know that that was uh was it the second game of the year? It was. Yeah, he had no. He had a great play against Michigan State too. Had the what was it the the game tying touchdown late? Yes. in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Keonta is going to have is going to play as well. Marcus Allen was another guy that was asked about too. Um, and they they recruited him out of out of Ohio when he was when they were at Cincinnati. Mike Brown did, and he's he's there. He's here. <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what he's got with a different number. We think. Yeah, he's not four anymore. Pretty sure that is um, C.J. Williams. Now, it's it's either C.J. Williams or Bryson Green because four and eight were the guys that Skyler Bell mentioned when we were talking to him two weeks ago, right? He said, I think it's Williams. I think so too, and I think eight is Bryson Green. But so he's like, yeah, you're you're not just going to see what was it, uh, eleven and uh, thirteen and. Well, uh, three, three. Thank you. You're going to see Kantas, you're going to see those number. three and then four and eight. So, yeah, I mean, he's talking about those five. But it sounded like it sounded like Mike, Mike Brown's thinking six, six guys that he wants to play. Cool. Um, and so who could be that that six? I'm not saying they have five right now, but it feels like they have five with the those those five guys that I just mentioned. And then who is that sixth guy? Could it be one of the other transfers from Cincinnati? Could it be a Vin, Vinny Anthony? Could it be a Chris Brooks Jr.? Could it be a Marcus Allen? Like who could who could be that sixth guy? Because whoever the sixth guy is is probably going to play and play quite a, and play a healthy role, considering how much they're going to use the wide receivers and how many they use on a, on a regular basis. Uh, my mind was wandering for a second there, thinking about speeds and miles per hour on kickoff return uh. and punt return because Garendo hit some pretty insane numbers. Garendo, like, do you remember? Uh, yeah, Jonathan Taylor talked about. Yes. Trying to catch. Yeah, I do. It was 20. I I, I forget. JT hit 22 and, or maybe it was, 
think I think Grendo at twenty three and JT was at twenty two and he said he was like still tra- still chasing him. I, I'm not positive that was the case or not, but you think about like just the difference between twenty twenty point nine or whatever the like the best was and what Grendo was doing. Yeah, kind yeah. of insane. All right, so uh, all that is going on. There will be more availability as we go throughout the weeks. And then also, SP Plus came out. Yay! And uh, believe it or not, it is in mid-February when this usually comes out. And when it does, Wisconsin is always the number one team in the Big Ten West. Were they the number one team in the Big Ten West? Zach? Yes, they are. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Uh, Ohio State's in the nation, no surprise. Michigan's number three. Penn State's number five, returning a lot of big guys and bringing in Drew Alar. I love Penn State for next year. I think many also do. Wisconsin's number 25. Then you have Iowa at number 27 with the number one ranked defense in the country and the number 81st offense, which is beautiful. And then Minnesota's at 30, Maryland 41, Illinois 44. Uh, just, a, just an early look, an early projection, maybe it could be. Wisconsin's division in the divisions last year. All right. We're going to step away. Take a quick break. It, it is Kenny and Heilprin. We're live at Monk's Bar and Grill, 5 to 6 on Thursday. When we do come back, there's a game at 8 o'clock tonight. There was something that happened last year in this contest. We will talk about it. That's coming up next. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. We are back. Kenny and Ty Oprin. Badgers in about an hour. We'll take on the Michigan Wolverines, Zach, in the revenge on Jawan Howard game. For some reason, I, for some reason, it feels like Michigan is still taking this more personal in Wisconsin. And I don't know, maybe it's because he got, he got, uh, well, he got, what, he got suspended for the rest of the regular season? Oh, yeah. And there were the people out there calling for guard to get arrested. Yeah. Those people were idiots. And and calling it, I believe, yeah. So the problem is neither of these teams are very good. If this was a ranked, even top six Big Ten matchup, if these two teams were tournament locks and weren't playing average basketball for most of the year, there would be a lot more juice. But they're on ESPN2, which is, you know, sub-package ESPN. And the Badgers, obviously, 6-8 and eight in conference after that uh Massive collapse, colossal collapse against Nebraska, which I, I don't want to talk about it. We like don't, we don't need to. That sucked. One of the worst losses I've ever seen. You know what's hilarious? And then Michigan's eight and six in conference and fourteen eleven overall. Yeah, but do you know where that leaves Michigan in conference right now? What a tie for fifth? Wow, which is crazy because I mean I've followed there's I, I haven't one watched game, and one game out of second. I watched their game against Indiana on Saturday, and I watched an Ohio State game they played a couple weeks ago. I haven't watched them play that much. They're not good. But eight and six, six and eight, that's the difference. And Wisconsin, if they had, you know, one stupid roll or one bad collapse, they could easily be there. But overall, teams aren't very good. Wisconsin has the second fewest home wins in Big Ten or of any Big Ten team this year. Now, they have a lot of home games still to go here. This is a, the start of three straight. They only have two more road games. So the last seven, five of them are at home. So they have to be, be better at home. 
they can't lose at home. They even with Purdue coming in, they have to win the rest of their home games. If they want, I shouldn't say that. They have to win four of their last five home games to have a shot uh, at the tournament. In my opinion, to get them to what that'd be eighteen. Yeah, eighteen wins. I guess you're you're probably not going to win at Michigan. You probably should be able to win at Minnesota, but you just never know. <laughs> you just never. I what am, did I just say? I just said you just never know. I know. I like. But imagine, imagine. I would sitting, pick that as a loss. Imagine sitting there at seventeen and thirteen, and you need that to get to eighteen and. 13 make it look better yeah and you lose and you're minnesota 17 and 14 going to the big 10 tournament minnesota's one and 12 the badgers are one point favorites tonight which whatever i the only thing that interests me about this game if i'm being honest is how how overly courteous to a fault are the coaches after the game they're not going to play into it Guard, well, they already took the the picture during media days, which was just, it was a joke. And then guard, I spoke recently, said, "Oh, dude, no problem." Blah blah blah. Like, what kind of handshake are they going in for? Are they going to hug? I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a nice. It's going to be what every other handshake was before last year. That's what that's what pisses me off about the whole situation. <laughs> Is it's not like they had a they had like this no relationship before this, right? Every, I went back and looked at it, and I put the get, put together the video of it. I can't of imagine, the handshake. I can't imagine why Greg Gard would think it'd be okay to to have to, to have a conversation with J, uh, Juwan Howard because after every other game they played, win or loss, they were actually able to have a courteous conversation. Yep. Wow. Let's go. I want if the Badgers get up late, and it comes down ten ten uh, minutes left, or no, um, one minute left, and Isaac Gard's on the court. I want him pressing the crap out of Michigan. Isaac I want him to try to dunk. I want guard to rub it in and see if Jawan Howard does anything. I'd pre- That's what I'm looking for. I mean, I'd prefer to see the other. Uh, I guess I don't really care how it goes, but uh, I would kind of prefer to see the other way, like maybe put Wisconsin in the situation that Michigan was in last year. Yeah. Where you're pressing even though, or you're, you know, where Wisconsin's pressing. Is that, oh, that's what you were saying. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, we are going to wrap it up coming up next. It's Kenny and Heilprin. Enjoy the game. This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right. Welcome back. It's Kenny and Heilprin. We're out of here in 40 seconds. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. I pray there is just a just an a, a, a pinch of controversy at the end. Just just some bad blood. It's a little drama. None of this none of this nice handshake crap. Team drama. Uh, we will be live Thursday, 5 to 6, Monks and Sun Prairie. More assistance talk, probably more Longo talk if people react poorly. But until then, enjoy the game tonight. Have a good one. See ya.